Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome back, folks, to another very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. I've been really uh, looking forward to today's episode. Uh, we have, uh, we've had some special guests on each episode. Each episode is unique in its own way, bringing its own blessing. I think today you're also in for a a treat. Uh, my guest today is the creator of the Desire Map series, uh, a heart-centered approach to finding your true power. She's also the author of White Hot Truth and the Fire Starter Sessions, a member of Oprah's Super Soul 100. Uh, I've heard some amazing things about her from one of my old publicists, Heidi Krupp, and uh, we've been circling and it's a joy to just introduce you to her. I think you're all going to be lit up and inspired. I'm very excited. I consider her a soul sister on the path, Daniel Laporte. Welcome. Welcome, Daniel. Thanks for coming mm. on to Soul Talk. Thank you. Feels like this has been a long time coming, but perfect time and meant to be. Yes, yes. Fine. Finally, here we are. <laughs> I've been, uh, been looking forward to it. You know, I, I love your soul. I love your fire. I love your vulnerability, your authenticity. You know, your, I love your poetry, you know, and so uh, mm. I've really been, been looking forward to this conversation. And so I have, a, I have so many things I want to ask you and just delve in and explore. Um, firstly, I just want to start. I'm, I'm curious myself, and I think some folks might be curious. I'm always curious to find out a bit about people's journey as we dive in. Um, what was your path like in terms of, yeah, I read something about you, a bartender, apartment manager, nanny. PR person. I mean, you've done a lot of different things, but uh, I feel the depth of which you speak from and share from. And so, how did you how did you start on the path of personal growth? And, and now you're an author and speaking and inspiring. So, how did that start? How did that begin? What triggered that? Uh, what triggered it? I think having really young parents is part of it. So it's like mm-hmm. having young parents. And going to Catholic school, being raised, I mean, I didn't live, I didn't grow up in a, in a staunch religious household, but Catholicism so appealed to me as a little girl. It's just like, I wanted to be a nun. And then I thought that's not going to work out for me because, because love and men and, Mm. and I, and I, and and the priesthood and the pre where were the women and going to church with the school and Jesus. And that was a big part of my reality. Like I had a little Barbie sunshine house and I turned that into altars and to little Mm. kind of mini temples. So there was something there and Mm. then having young parents. So it's like, there was a lot of, it was the seventies, right? (laughs) 
so there were a lot of parties and there was a lot of hockey and there was a lot of weed and my mom was going to school for psychology. So there were a lot of Jungian analysts hanging out in my house. My dad was an athlete. Um, so it was just this great tension. And I still have that tension. I was having a conversation mm. this morning with a friend about that, that tension between being in the world and of the world. And then this, you know, and then just God and, and devotion and yeah, I think really it's all about for me right now where the holy meets the human, but that's the beginning. You asked about the beginning. That's the very beginning. Yeah. And as you, let's say, was there, was there a moment where I, I, I guess I'm just trying to understand was there a moment where let's say, like how did you evolve into this? You could say, inspiring spiritual teacher. I mean, because it's not like a set path to become a spiritual teacher, self-help, you know, author. It's not like go to school, become a doctor, a surgeon, take these courses, take these classes. Here you are. Boom. And so how did that happen? You know, it definitely sounds like there was this devotional nature that was innate in you, but yeah. Was, 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 there some, was there a knowing, like, okay, I, I want to write a book? Or, I'm just curious about that origin. Always a desire to be on stage. Always a desire from both um, a heightened, healthy place to be seen and also from a very wounded place to be seen and to be recognized and to be acknowledged. Um, and mm. lots of, just lots of trial I was like, like trial and error, but like one thing led to another thing. So I was going to go into fashion design and I wanted to rock the fashion industry. And then that ended up feeling for me really <laughs> vapid and vacant. And then I didn't want to contribute to consumerism. And then I got a job. I was, you know, Canadian. So I was in Toronto and um, I got a job at the body shop, which in the eighties was, mm. you know, the body shop really put socially responsible yes. um, commerce on the map. And Anita Roddick, who was the founder of that, was such an inspiration for me and taught me so much about um, a triple bottom line and being philanthropic and to be public about your philanthropy so Mm. that your philanthropy could inspire other people to do the same. I didn't want to work in retail. It also became really clear to me that I was never going to own that empire. I wanted something of my very own. I Mm. fell into being a publicist and by fall into it, a couple of friends were like, you you can talk. You're a good writer. Why don't you call a radio station and try to get me a gig? So I did. Mm-hmm. And I was at a party one day. Somebody said, what do you do? I was like, I'm a publicist. I think I'm a publicist. I should get a business card. And I got really well known for promoting futurists. And I started moving into the personal development space in a professional way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I went from there. I ended up running a think tank in Washington, D.C., where I had 21 futurists. We were writing white papers on the weapons, on weapons of mass destruction and water wars and the future of AIDS in Africa. It was all very heady. And, you know, context, I didn't go to university or college. Like, I graduated from high school. Technically, I was a runaway. I left home when I was 16. I, like, talked Mm. my way into everything. Uh, I talked and prayed my way into everything. Mm-hmm. And then I, and then 
something magical came along called WordPress. <laughs> and yeah. I could put my thoughts down and do that in a public context. And oh. I started a company with a friend. It was a, like we called it a soulful approach to to branding. I raised a but Oprah called. I used that. Mm. You know, one of my gifts is communication. So I, I harnessed the momentum of having some interest from Oprah's producers to raising some money for our business. And it worked. Mm. And shortly after raising all that capital, I got Steve jobbed from my own business. So I got fired from my own business from the dudes wow. who helped, gen- help, helped wrangle that money. And that was a real, I mean, that was a fire that, huh. you know, allowed me to rise. It's a great mm. flames and Phoenix story. And then I was really firmly on the path. I mean, technology was a fit for my, my, my gifts of writing mm. and speaking. And I just didn't look back. And then the book started, you know, after I got canned from the business, and was on the hook for a bunch of money and went through, you know, all the betrayal and all of that. Um, and mostly it was self-betrayal. I hit the ground running. I was like, what, what, I got to make some money. I know what mm. I get. One thing I know how to do is start businesses. Who needs to know mm. this? Women who want to start online businesses, who want to do this in a conscious way. And so I did 16 cities in a year. And came back super fried and I had a book and that was my, that was the first really Danielle solo book. And now my way of being is I basically just write and speak about what I'm looking for (laughs) and what I've found (laughs) and, and I have my own struggles and I have my own grace and my own failures and my own successes around all of that and who I am and how I show up. And that's the story. Beautiful. I was reading on your website, um, in case you could be open to sharing. uh, I read that you had an experience of a a living death. And uh, I thought that was so interesting. So you you went to a living death. And so Mm -hmm. curious what, what do you mean by living death? What happened? Um, talk to us a bit about that. Mm. Uh, lots of different names for it, but it's really just one thing. Uh, for me, living death. For others, dark night of the soul. Ego mm. death, rebirth. Uh, I didn't have a nervous breakdown because I was very much in touch with reality, but it was might have looked that way from the outside, mm-hmm. and it was the result of. Well, let me give you a little more context. So, yeah. Um, don't really. I mean, I use Western medicine when I have to, but it's not my thing. I don't even really take Tylenol. It's not my thing. Love my solitude. Um. Never had, I'm, you know, I always have identified as an introvert in love with humanity, but really like to be alone when I'm alone. Devotional, like, you know, of the world, rock and roll, hip hop, all of it. You know, I'm here. I'm part of the culture, but really happy to just uh, 
refine my meditation, my relationships, my intimacies. And I found myself also never had ever in all of my therapy, years of therapy, years of workshops. I mean, I'm in this space. I'm in the personal development mm-hmm. space. I'm doing it. I'm mm-hmm. designing workshops for people. I'm leading mm-hmm. workshops for people about how to, you know, access their heart and tap higher consciousness. Jump cut to, I find myself in the emergency ward of my oh. local hospital begging a nurse, a doctor, for anti-anxiety medication, having panic attacks. Mm. Didn't even know. Wh- I, I didn't even know what a panic attack was. You know, after a gig, women come up to me. There's, you know, signing books and hugs and line up, and they would come up to me, and it's, you know, I'm sure you have this experience. People tell you the most mm-hmm. powerfully vulnerable things. I hear about suicidal ideation and divorce mm-hmm. and depression and anxiety. And I could only have compassion. I couldn't, I couldn't have empathy. Not, not been there. And at this point I say to my psychologist, like what? You're having panic attacks. It's here we go. This is, you know, it'd been a long time coming. And I went through a period of time where I had a real difficulty being alone. A huge contrast to my regular reality. Um, I spent a lot of time at a small retreat center on an island, <laughs> um, mm. just reading everything I could get my hands on about ego death and dark night of the soul and dissolution of self and transcendental experiences. And I learned that there's a pattern to these things. Like millions of people mm. have walked this path before who have been courageous mm. enough to let themselves fall apart. And there, there are steps. There's almost a formula to the descent. Mm. And if there's a formula to the descent, there's a formula to the rise. And so I got a lot of hope in other people's um, mm. stories of their own, uh, their own sort of psyche death. And I walked through. I walked through the fire. It's, I am oversimplifying it, but there was a lot of, yeah. I did a lot of EMDR. I basically, I had to get, go really deep into inner child work. Mm. And one of, there were a zillion revelations, but one of them was that I've really been living a performance-based life. And there's, so there's this constant, there's this agitation under the surface. There's a, there's an, there's an agitation that was manifested, but really I was living in a constant state of negotiation with life. That if I am this, then I am worthy to receive that. Mm. I also think these are crazy mad times, right? That's, mm. that's a given. And so these are really destabilizing times. And I'm, I'm more aware of this phenomenon happening more specifically with women and with some male friends of mine than ever before. And these are people in our position, meaning they have a platform. They've been talking about this, this wellness thing and this love thing and this consciousness for a while. And there's some breakdowns happening. Yeah. 
so you talk about this negotiation. Um, how did you move through that? How did, how did I live through that? it? How did you How did you move through that? That uh, How did I move through that? Yeah. That that, that, yeah, that negotiation. You know, of, if I'm this, then then I'm worthy. If I'm, you know, like to, to that space of of uh, acceptance and self loving. Mm. Well, ex- and, acceptance is the word. But acceptance of all of it. No, no new age bypassing that. You can't, mm-hmm. when you're in that place, you, you can't affirm your way out of it. Mm-hmm. You can't even pray your way out of it. You just have to deeply admit to what is real, yeah. what seems real yeah. within you. I mean, and we can go deeper with what reality is and what it isn't. Mm-hmm. But what your experience is, let's just say, what your experience is of reality. And mm-hmm. so, you know, on my knees, literally, mm-hmm. figuratively, saying life god great spirit divine mother divine father however you identify as god i i want i i want to be my best for you but i'm it's coming from proving and i've just discovered i don't feel worthy i'm afraid i have shame and i have terror and i'm actually ashamed of all of those things I'm ashamed that I have fear. I'm ashamed that I have shame. I'm ashamed that I have terror because I'm a, I'm a baller. I get stuff done <laughs> because I've been <laughs> devoted my whole life. Like, because I, because I, I, even in that darkest place, I knew on a fundamental level that I'm a loving being. I've never questioned that, but that got all confused and collapsed with all these other stories about, things I am and am not and having to dance for my dinner also Catholicism really did a number on me so you know at its most dark shadowy place Catholicism is a performance game it is it is a punitive system and being so open and so deeply loving as a child and having that impressed upon me that's going to mess with your circuitry and I thought I had left that far behind me and, you know, everything I'd heard from church because so much therapy, because psychedelics, because sex, because whatever, however I worked my way through things. Um, but, you know, the breakdown for me was I was just getting to the bottom of it and how I rose, lived through it, processed, I'm still processing it, but um, I was wise enough to not isolate. I turned to my friend. I had no choice. I had turned to all my friends. I mean, I was waking up with suicidal thoughts in the morning. That was a new thing. Never mm. been able to conceive of someone wanting to take their life. Or at least, let me rephrase that. Never able to conceive of myself taking my life in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got with friends. I really turned to my community as a religion. I got over, mm-hmm. again, I felt I was in a choice place. I got over the, the need to ask for help. Um, I prayed in the most naked, vulnerable way I've ever prayed before. I did EMDR therapy. I 
hugged trees. I laid on the ground. I moved into nature. I stopped. I talked to my team and said, I don't know what I'm going through, but you're going to have to take the wheel for a couple months. And I just built an environment for myself like a mother would build for a child and love myself fiercely through that. Mm -hmm. And I also looked at what was going on with me biochemically and had all my hormones tested and did some tweaking there and really just cleaned. I mean, I was already living in a really clean way, but anything else I could scrub out of my system or cleanse out, I did that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's part of the purification of the flame, you know? Yeah. What what did your, in those moments, what, what did your prayers sound like? And, ah. Yeah. What did, you, like, what, 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 could, what did your prayers sound like? What were you praying in those, like in that depth of, of those moments? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, what did my prayers sound like? The most vulnerable vulnerabilities, just this is how I feel. There was one day where I'd said, I mean, I know full well, gratitude is medicine. And there was one day I just said, mm-hmm. please have mercy on me today because I'm having a hard time being grateful. And that was it. I would say that was actually one of my most revelatory moments. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, can I still be worthy if I'm not grateful? And the answer for me was a very clear, resounding yes. And I felt really washed over by presence, by love. You love no matter what. You don't even have to be grateful. Um, my prayers were, um, help me stop negotiating. <laughs> show me, correct my thoughts. Show me, show me the thoughts that heal me. Show me the healing thoughts that lead to vibrant, life-affirming feelings. Um, show me how, what is, what does making my life of service look like next. Um, I am afraid to give up that which I desire to be devoted to you. Help me with that fear. I couldn't even, I didn't even, I wasn't even able to say, I can give it up for you. And I really look, you know, part of the existential crisis is, am I going to have to give up my worldly life? Am I going to have to give up a beloved relationship? Am I going to have to give up money? Am I going to have to give up? What's it going to look like when I send my son off to school? Are you asking me to sell everything and retreat? Am I to retreat? And I couldn't go there. And part of my seeming incapacity to go there, to give those things up, was this revelation that I am not that. (laughs) I really want to get, I love being human. I'm a householder, I'm a lover, I'm a mother, I'm a creator, and those are my gifts. And all life is asking me to do is use those gifts in service, be in joy in those gifts. And now my mantra is just, joy is my service, and I am, and, and service is joy. They're both the same. So my devotion to God is has to be an expression or how I practice that is to be well and wellness Mm -hmm. for me is 
it's just this deeper place of I look after me and I look after you. Your happiness is included in my happiness. And uh, yeah, it's just deep and sweet and inclusive and um, it's much more simple. I'm, I'm much more attracted to simplicity than I've ever been. It's beautiful. I love your prayer about just having, you know, please just have the mercy on me for for going through this, for having this moment, for having this feeling, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. it's beautiful, beautiful. As you went through this time, did your definition of success shift? Uh, how do you define success? Because I think in our culture, there's a lot of pressure to succeed, even in your personal growth, self-help, success, yes. success, hustle, achieve, go for it, you know, um, be your best self, which is often uh, reinforced in the ego self. And so mm-hmm. how did your relationship to success shift and how do you see success? And um kind of combining a few questions in, in one here, but um, through that time, uh, how do you see the purpose of life? Like, <laughs> I'm throwing it all in here. Uh, like, I knew I wouldn't get like a trivial conversation with you. <laughs> uh, let's get right into it in the depths right away and then <laughs> go through all of it. What is the purpose of this whole thing? You know, because I know there's people listening that are seeking and wondering and questioning, you know, in their lives right now, especially during these times. So I feel like what you're saying is really important. So, I mean, there's a few things there, but however you want to flow with it. Yeah. Well, I think the reason we're here, the purpose is to bring heaven to earth, is to Mm. bring consciousness into embodied form. Um. I think it's to be the light in the dark and to be the, to, to create presence and density. Like I am here as an extension of the spirit. I am, I, as in we, we are the leading edge of God, that God mm-hmm. consciousness, God conscien- consciousness needs us to evolve. We are, we're, we're the, we're the expansion of life Mm -hmm. itself. And part of that is cleaning up and transforming and transmuting what's here, here being this dense reality, here being this division, here being racism, here being overconsumption, this fucking wasteland. Let's be clear. We live in chaos. We live in we're in a crisis of morality, you know. Um, and so, the only meaning, the only purposefulness in 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 existing right now is to to be your truthful, most lit up, most loving, conscious self to move this all into a divine order. And if you're not doing that, you're, well, you're not, certainly not living in your 
you're not even near your potentiality. You're actually kind of part of the problem. And you are likely going to experience the effects of purposelessness, which are a sense of separation, a sense of being on the outside, a sense of being hard done by, um, or you're going to have a very overactive ego. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to try and crush it. You're going to get what you want in the material realm. You're still going to feel empty. Yeah. You're going to get the bay. You're going to get the relationship. The relationship is going to look great. You're going to wonder why, yeah. what still empty. The money, no, not going to be enough. So choose. That's, <laughs> I mean, just pick a side. And guess what? The side of purposefulness and meaningfulness actually includes everybody. You got time and you got love and you got compassion for everybody's role in this, even terrible politicians and those who are trying to divide everybody. Um, so that's why I think we're here. And when you tap that, there's a lot of joy. There's a lot of angst too. This is not easy, but there's a lot of joy. There's a lot of grace. I think when you, you really commit to that, it's not that life has not always been on your side, but you are that commitment allows you to feel the prana, the life. And there's so many rewards and, you know, so that's a, I'm backing into my definition of success. So my definition mm -hmm. of success has always been meaningfulness combined with freedom and, um, for me, freedom is I, I pretty much do what I want. Mm -hmm. I make mistakes a lot and I, well, I wouldn't say a lot. Still on a fairly regular basis, I'll make an error mm -hmm. and I'll do something that doesn't make me free, feel free. I'll overcommit or I'll commit for the wrong reason or I'll say the wrong thing um, because I want to appear a certain way or... You know, I'm worried about getting the clicks or whatever. Um, and I don't feel free in those moments. I feel very bound by other people's perspective of me. But mostly, mostly I, I'm, I am sovereign. Yeah. A lot of freedom. Yes. You know, you, you, you triggered a, 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 it's kind of a side question. Um, <laughs> I could go for it <laughs> right about now. <laughs> go ahead. I'm loving, I'm loving this conversation. I'm really loving this conversation. Um, you know, because you're talking about um, purposefulness and meaning, and, you know, we're here to evolve. And um, especially in an age of, I think, social media where, you know, so much of what is is portrayed as success is the superficial. And, and I think you're right. I think people might achieve some of these things, but if it's not connected to something deeper, it will be meaningless uh, even when we achieve it. And so um, I see so many people who are caught up in um, envy, I guess is the word. Yeah. You know, envy mm -hmm. and looking at others and, yeah, then you know, I, I hear what you're saying, but 
you're right, but then they see someone and they and they feel the envy and then they reach for that and and so I see so much of social media kind of perpetuating and triggering and activating that that envy. Um, any thoughts on on dealing with with envy and how we can how an individual can can work with that within themselves? Mm-hmm. I think envy is timeless. I think it's always been there. I think social media is doing a lot of things to create an instability, an anxiety amongst people. I mean, there's the volume of mm-hmm. comparison that's happening, which is adding, mm-hmm. you know, the, the toxicness. But we've always been envious. Grass has always been greener. So mm-hmm. it's part of human nature. Envy is toxic. Uh, it's not the best use of your energy. And I think the 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 medicine for envy there's a couple approaches. One is gratitude for what you do have because gratitude, what you are appreciating and thankful for today, the act, the act of appreciation brings you into presence. And from presence, you, you, you are creating. You're going to create the next step and the next day and the next day. And this, um, that approach is not just a, you know, a 90s and 2000 new age thing. Gratitude as a, as a spiritual practice is talked about in all forms of mysticism that's been around translatable for thousands of years. So gratitude makes you present. So there's that. Um, what you envy, what you aspire for, I think is just your future self. Or your deepest self saying, you can have this, move towards it. There's that. I think what you, your, your, your aspiration should be, you know, there's a way to turn that into inspiration. And thirdly, and this is the hard one, it's like you really have to bless the people that you're envious of. And, oh, she's so skinny. Bless. She's, she looks well. Uh, how wonderful mm-hmm. for her it is to look well. How wonderful for him to have that income. I hope that mm-hmm. happiness for them is deep and true. Like you have the power to bless. It's a creative act. And then you can use, you know, again, you're, you're generating that creativity in someone else's direction. And you can be having that creativity swirl in your own life. And fourthly, I mean, maybe you'll remember who said this is often misattributed, but Plato, Socrates, like be kind for everybody is fighting their own battle. Um, Listen, I'll just tell you, (laughs) if it hasn't occurred to everybody listening, nobody is without pain. Nobody has it all together. We're all just showing up to be our, to be our best selves on social, which by the way, is our right to do. I don't have any criticism for people who are filtering their stuff and just posting stuff on their happy days. That's part of having a healthy persona. That's part of having boundaries in your life. You don't have to be showing your deep, dark secrets on social. Be authentic, be sincere, <laughs> be as whole as you possibly can be. But yeah. Um, Nobody has it all together, and everybody's struggling with their own thing. 
Yes. Yeah. We're all yeah. on this human, human journey, you know? Yeah. yeah. I would say I would love to hear more personal development uh, content creators. I don't like the word influencers because I think everyone's, I think everybody's a power broker, but I would love to hear more mm-hmm. of us referencing our, our wholeness and our, mm-hmm. I think there needs to be more color. Let's <laughs> just say more mm-hmm. dimension to the stories. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm often in terms of, you know, public feedback I get, I'm, you know, wow, you're, I often hear authentic, raw, vulnerable. And I think to myself, <laughs> I can actually get way more raw than this, but I think I, what other choice do I have? I'm here to be of service. This is the truth. This is what I went through. I'm committed to seeking. I'm committed to pulling some some nuggets of insight out of that and offering them to people. Anything else is bullshit. Lived experience is the only thing you can teach them. And it's what I look for in a teacher. Like, huh, what's your initiation story? How, how bad did it hurt? How did you get through that? Yeah. How open are you about that? I'm not saying share before you're ready to share or be vulnerable. If it's, going to be um, too exposing and too compromising, but enough with the enough with the keeping your persona patched together for decades mm-hmm. at a time. <laughs> it's just, mm-hmm. There's no way. There's no way. It's mm-hmm. not legit. Awesome. As you, as you went through this, this, you know, living death, dark night, I think there may be, you know, quite a few folks going through this, especially right now. Um, what, what, what can you speak to? What are some of the things that you feel you learned, and that you feel uh, as human beings we we need to give up, we need to to let go of in order to evolve spiritually? And are there any? Uh, myths that we think, but in reality, what are some of the things? What What are some of the other things that perhaps we need to to let go of to grow? Mm-hmm. Uh, let go of trying to prove yourself, prove your worth through your work or through your relationships or through your parenting, but um, proving your worth and delaying gratification. Uh, it's it's a no win game. In fact, you just you just you're just pumping the illusion, the lie of your unworthiness through your system, and it's going to wear your nervous system down, and it's going to lead to all sorts of problems. So stop stop with the proving, and move towards the joy, because what gives you delight will have you show up. Um, so much more effectively in the world. First of all, let's just dial it back to the basics. If you work from your joy, you're going to be in joy. (laughs) You're going to have what it is that you want, which is joy and fluidity and peace and delight and sexiness and connection and communion and however you define joy. 
Um, so there's that. You have to know that that living for meaning, living with meaning, with purpose, requires some hard work. You're going to have to go through the work of emptying yourself, removing lies and removing mm-hmm. illusions. It is often, not always, painful. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to wreck you or take you down. This is, I think this mm-hmm. is... Um, this is a myth of self-growth yep. that you must suffer in order to grow. Look, suffering is involved. I haven't found a way to completely escape it. But I think if you, if you commit, if, you, if you're going to do the, take the step towards, you know, awakenedness, towards mindfulness, if you're going to put in a little bit yes. of work, life is going to meet you. That if you hear, say, my story or, you know, you have, I know you have your own story. If somebody can hear that and say, okay, I'm in, just take the Mm -hmm. step. Life is going to take your hand. Let yourself be inspired and awakened by somebody else's suffering and the light that they have brought down because of that suffering. We're all, and this is one of the, you know, zillion reasons why it's so beautiful that we're in together, in this together. So Mm -hmm. you don't, it doesn't have to be excruciating. Might be difficult, but clear mm-hmm. out the lies to make way for the light to come in. And that should about do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a small thing, but I, I love what you're yeah. saying. It doesn't have to be excruciating. And uh, I think I, I, I really feel that, that the whole the point about commitment, you know, I think something happens when we really wholeheartedly commit it opens. It, yeah. I think that opens up. That opens up grace, for sure. Even though yes. it's not easy. Even though, even though it is challenging. Even though it is difficult. But when we stop, I think in that commitment, there's a, there's a something about resistance that softens, and uh, there's an opening that happens for the process to to really unfold. Uh, and so, that's yeah. soften is the word. Like my experience has been, and I, and I see this with so many teachers that softening is one of the mm-hmm. results. And you become less egocentric. You become less preachy in a way. You become mm-hmm. more zealous. I think we yes. become more, <laughs> more zealous mm-hmm. and more flexible. Like there's this bothness to it, right? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm more devoted than ever. But like, hey, I got so much patience for wherever anybody's at on their path right now. Um, And I think you can be, actually, I'm going to ask this question of you. I think you can have faith and still have fear. What's your thought on that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I don't think, I I don't think the two are exclusive, you know, I think having the, having the faith, uh, but also feeling the fear. Um, and embracing that fear, you know, I think is, is, is really important. Yeah. Yeah. But I also love what you're saying about the, ze- the zealous and the flexible, because there's, there's the paradox, you know, uh, mm-hmm. passionate, devoted, I'm commit, but not, not, not attaching, not, not, not holding on, not rigid at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in terms of, in terms of, you know, as you create, 
and you know, as you you write, you create you, your poetry, your work, your book, your writings, your speaking. I've never, you know, seen you speak, but I can I can feel the energy of it. And as you create, put yourself out there. I think it's always a vulnerable thing. Um, talking about fear and faith, and, and putting oneself out there is vulnerable. And I see so many folks who have something to say or something they desire saying and or long to say but you know out of their fear they 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 don't allow themselves to speak they don't allow their souls to speak they allow the fear to stop them um so i'm curious what your relationship with that is and how you navigate uh i guess dealing with putting yourself out there and validation and you know, approval and, and because when you put yourself out there, you, you're putting your heart out there in a certain sense. And so um, what's your relationship to that? Well, the times when I put my heart out there, I'm not as concerned with validation and I don't experience pushback. The times when I'm trying to look good and it's just ego and it's, I'm, I'm posturing then I feel more brittle and restrained inside. And then I worry about everything I've said. Um, I start, you know, kind of girding my loins for pushback. Um, yeah. So if I can just get up there and just be love, it's a completely different experience. And sometimes mm-hmm. when I'm love, I'm fucking hilarious and it's mm-hmm. like super high energy. And sometimes that night, you know, that gig is just, it's just saw it's a soft conversation. But if I show up genuinely, I feel people, more people get what they came, what they needed to hear that night. And um, it's not an easy, this is not an easy job. Being criticized publicly is can be brutalizing can be so painful and i'd read once that eckhart tolle doesn't even read his own book reviews and i was like shit if Uh, eckhart can't take it then i'm gonna give myself (laughs) i'm gonna give myself a break yeah yeah i was just wondering you know let's say let's say someone does criticize you publicly or you know in the media or something and how do you deal with it in that moment I mean, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying about going in and just being love. Okay, got that. But let's say, you know, someone comes up to you and says, hey, Danielle, boom. Or, the, you know, they, they say something or a book review or, or what have you. And, and yeah. in the moment, what, what do you do? What do you do in that moment? Uh, Is there a way you work with yourself? Yeah. Sometimes it's upsetting. Sometimes it isn't. So I don't always feel like, mm-hmm. I don't always feel impacted by it um i always look for is that true is that were they right about that Mm. is that can i follow that thread somewhere and see something in there oh maybe they are right and it's like oh that is kind of gross and i need to work on that and yep okay um then sometimes it's just crazy and off base and kooky and i and i just like Peace out. <laughs> like, that, doesn't even, that just 
like later doesn't even register because that's so out from another field um i often go to look at my intention and um if i can see you know was my intention was i coming from a loving place but there was just this little thread where i just trying to too hard to make a point i look at that mm. um and then if I was at fault, it's like I get down to the like root of who I am. Like I am love. I atone. I see my mistake. I don't have to pay for it. Like this is a confusion with atonement, right? Atonement isn't, it's not about karma. Like I messed up, so I should be quiet now. No, it's, I messed up. Ah, I see that. The light dawns on me. That's the moment of transformation. And in that moment, you change and you are far less likely to do that again. Um, and then sometimes I just think, deep breath, and I put my boots on and I get back on stage or I get back online. Yeah. It's like, keep going. This is, mm. this is a battlefield. Mm. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out again. You want to, yeah. like, you know? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. In terms of, let's say, let's say when things, uh, then you don't, think expectations you had, let's say a goal you had, um, it didn't happen. You launch a book, maybe, or, or some project, and didn't manifest the way you, you, you had hoped for. Um, how do you deal with that disappointment? How do you deal with I, something yeah, you wanted to have question. happen that you tried so hard and, and it, maybe it, and you're like, it felt really aligned and it, did, it didn't fulfill that, that goal. And do you even, mm. do you set goals? I mean, and what's your relationship with goal setting as well? So, mm. well, I've failed enough <laughs> that mm. I now, I just have the beauty of experience, which has showed me that, every so-called failure has led me somewhere better. Not just turned out for the best, but like really turned out for the best. And mm -hmm. sometimes I couldn't see it for a year or two or three, but it's like, wow, I'm so glad life gave me that curveball because I am more loving, more full, everything, more prosperous because that didn't turn out. So now I'm so much less attached. If, if, if I do have a, if something doesn't work out, I'm just like, okay, mm. what's next? Um, and what I'm like in a very practical way, I'm much more into um, debriefs and postmortems as a business practice than I used to be. I used to be so hooked on like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's build the next thing that we would forget mm. to celebrate and we would forget to really recapitulate. So now that's actually, it's, it's more of a business practice and um, looking at what's to learn. Um, my relationship to goal setting is a very contentious one. Basically, <laughs> you know, the desire map started as a soulful approach to goal setting. And yes. it is still that. But I have a very loosey relationship with goals <laughs> because... Uh. Uh, you know, like I can only show up. 
I can, yeah. I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to be as intelligent and kind and creative and deep as I can be. And then God is going to say yes or no. <laughs> like, so, and I do know I have a few metrics in place. If I do anything for the money, never works ever because that is not aligned with who I am. I can do lots of things, enjoy that bring me financial abundance, but I gave up on the whole money thing a long time ago as in that being the priority. Um, yeah, if I, we, we have a metric on our, on our team. It's like, is it heavy or is it light? And it doesn't mean there's not going to be hard work involved and we're not going to make some mistakes, but an idea can come a potential collaboration. We say, does this feel heavy? Does it feel light? Feels like, uh, feels like the air is already out of this. Feels Mm. like cement. We're a no, even if it could be something, if it was something we're waiting for light, easy, but, feels a little bit impossible at the same time, but there's like this buoyancy around it, this enthusiasm. I'm in. Enthusiasm is a heightened state of consciousness. And I really try and function from that place. I'm not excited. I'm just, it's a no. Is it heavy or is it light? I love that question. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> hmm. Um. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I think the whole thing around goal setting is interesting, but but I, I also feel that as you stay loose, you know, I think that that's when so much more of life can show up than we can even imagine, and uh, yeah. at least that's what I found with my own life. You know, so, so many things I couldn't even think or plan just emerge and reveal themselves and come through and find myself sometimes saying, wow, I couldn't even thought this up. And so, yeah, my relationship with goal setting has, has also softened and evolved definitely over the years. So um, do you set goals? You know, it's interesting. More and more, Danielle, I, I used to set real specific goals and timed and, you know, and so now my, what I tend to do is, is sort of just drop down and tune in and feel and really feel mm-hmm. Feel what, like it's a more it's more of a sensation and a feeling of what it is that's like what's seeking to happen what what like where is the flow moving what what is, and and how does that maybe it comes to me in visuals or a sensation or an idea and and so I'll see something I'll feel something and, and kind of see how it feels and so it's not so much like I'm setting this goal but it's it's kind of feeling for what impulse is moving through. And then I may write down what I see and then align certain actions mm. around that. But, it, it, but it's not so much this, going to do this, I'm going to do that, like it used to be way back. And, and so uh, just, just like to leave it open and flow, you know, more, more and more mm. flow. I mean, there's still, there's still action and there's still work and there's still, but even when I find that even when the, uh, there's a lot of, lot of activity or work, so long as it's in the flow, there's still a, a sense of alignment, you know, that, that feels different than trying to force something that isn't to be something that is, you know. And so, so yeah, yeah, it's, uh, 
it's definitely evolved. I have a couple more questions. Okay. Um, really loving this conversation and you know as we kind of kind of wrap up. Uh, but when I have you here, one of the things I really enjoy about your work is your creativity and you know your creative expression. I think a lot of at least in my opinion, a lot in, in personal growth can be certain a, a little dry in its presentation. And I've always found your your expression just creative and alive. You know, there's a sense of aliveness in what you put out and your words and your colors. And, and so um, as a fellow author, I really, for me, writing, I've always said, I hate writing. You know, I just, I kind of laugh at myself. The, the process of writing for me is, is not something I... I enjoy, but, but when I, when I get into it, things flow. And uh, I'm curious about your process of writing and getting into that creative zone and how that is for you. Do you get blocked? What do you do to get creatively unblocked in terms of writing and specifically around writing creativity? And how do you, how do you access that creative zone where you know the magic is flowing as you write and as mm. you create mm. I just have to make time I mean I'm really mm. I feel in the creative flow all the time I'm always having an idea because I'm always having an experience like I'm using myself as the guinea pig <laughs> like my life is the experiment and then I'm going to go write about it yes. so if I have like a revelation or a thought or something I do in the morning that made my life better or a pain point that was terrible, but I had an insight. I'm like, ah, I got to write about this or maybe Mm -hmm. this is a program Mm -hmm. or this is a chapter. So then it becomes about carving time out. So I need to have no interruptions. (laughs) I Mm -hmm. am a batcher. So like one day will be, this is the phone call day. This is the errand day. This is the loose end day. And then, like, my favorite thing is I look at my day planner and it just says create and there's no call. So if I need to, like, lie on the floor and just think about what I'm thinking about, I can do that. And, Mm. like, there's always a part where when I'm working on the book, I have, like, three days in a hotel room and I just bring a bag of apples. (laughs) It used to bring, I just bring a pack of smokes, <laughs> but now, <laughs> oh, I miss those days of just smoking and writing late into the night, <laughs> but yeah, I just like bring some good food and I like leave the hotel for like hot tub and go back to my room and I just, yeah, I'm very, I really need to be in a cave to create um, and like the tools Tools for me are important, so I'm, I keep a lot of notes on my phone. I have a whole bunch, just, just like iNotes, a whole bunch of different categories of thoughts that I'm capturing all the time. And I've recently made a change. This has come out of some like team development work that we've done um, and looking at how we outreach and how I create. And um, I'm going to I'm trying a shift right now where I've been very impulsive with how I share my ideas. So like I'd get a thought and, you know, thanks to the power of social media, I just like 
grab a photo and put my deep wise offering to the world up on Instagram. And it's not what I want to do anymore. So I'm mm. reining myself. It's not a reining. It's um, I'm going to treat each of those thoughts more like an idea that's important, potentially important. Not all my ideas are great. Mm-hmm. That's mm. potentially important that I'm going to nurture a bit. So instead of like, got it, give it, I'm just going to get mm. it and I'm going to keep it. And then I'm going to decide if that's going to go into a podcast um, or if that's a paragraph that needs to be written for a book or if mm. that's a little like just a little nugget for Instagram. Uh, but it requires changing my pace, which I highly recommend to everybody. So social media isn't running you. Yeah. Love it. Love yeah. it. Uh, I, Thank I, you. I like this idea of, of, of taking that time out and no interruptions. I think that's simple, but I think it's so important. Um, I'm going to try that because when I write, I don't, I don't really just block out three days, you know, uh, kind of find moments in between. But uh, oh yeah, try it, try it, try it, block it out. I've also been doing this experiment where I've been writing in forty. I've been creating in forty-minute spurts and Mm. or sprints, and it was really working because. And this, I don't know where she got it. If she developed this, this is a result of of me being coached by my coach. Um, I can do anything for 40 minutes. I can block out anything. I can block out tech mm-hmm. coming from my best friend. I can stay off of Instagram. I can, I can focus for 40 minutes. <laughs> An hour feels too long, but 40 minutes feels like this sweet spot. And so I set a timer for myself where I'm just like, I'm in it. And then, you know, timer goes off and I'm like, Oh, and I, and I make sure that I pivot even if it's just five minutes, put on the cattle or check Instagram. I give, I switch my brain and then I move back into the Mm. 40 minutes and it's been vastly productive. Mm. And, um, it's really showed me I, how distractible I am. I've only come Mm. to the conclusion recently. I'm highly distractible. (laughs) I I think I just never wanted to admit to it because I'm, you know, I'm, also pretty prolific, but it's hasn't been without um I love it. Without sweat, yeah. I love it. The forty minute time block. Cool. You know, you 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 shared you you shared a lot today. Um I have one one final question. Um I feel like we could keep wrapping and definitely would love to have you back and go deeper at some point. Um, but this is the final question, just to sort of distill some things um, based on your life and learnings, successes, failures, uh, just everything, ups, downs, dark nights, you know, mountaintop moments. If you were to, and some might overlap, but if you were to uh, distill what you feel might be, and it might change on a given day, but what you feel might be the most uh, important lessons that you have learned that you would like to, let's say, pass on to the next generation, your kids and grandchildren, what have you, that if it would evolve the next generation the most, what would be, uh, if you were to distill those, those into three keys, curious what your three keys would be. It's a final question. My three keys. Uh, 
Well, there'll be, I think I've touched on them all. I would say create a loving environment for yourself. Live lovingly. And in that environment, you will find your joy. Be in your joy. Nurture your joy. You're going to slip away from your joy. But your joy is your true nature. It's your true state. Joy is the true reality. Mm. Anything that is not that are just illusions we're working out. Mm. So human. So second nature. But joy is... it's. It's who we are. And there's nothing to prove, but so much to give. And your your fulfillment, you know, I don't guarantee anything. But I'm going to go out there and say there's a high chance that everything you're looking for is in how you serve the world. It's all in the giving. It's all in the giving. Yeah. Boom. Boom. I Boom. Love I love it. I love it. Thank you. I love it. Folks, uh, this has been such a rich conversation, Danielle. Thank you for just saying yes. You know, it's been a long time coming. I, I'm so glad we got to, to connect and meet and just commune and share and Thank you for sharing your soul and heart with, with me and just everyone from the Soul Talk community. Um, if there was a homework assignment, just one thing that those listening in could, could just immediately apply, something simple that they could go do, uh, a question, something uh, that they could immediately do right now. Is there something you could assign those listening in? I can give you desire mapping in one minute. Uh, yes. Ask, your, ask yourself how it is that you want to feel. So here's the quick way. This is the this is the the uh, uber fast way to to desire map. <clears throat> Figure out. This will be really easy for most of us. What is it that you're tired of feeling that you don't want to feel anymore? That you just uh, yuck. You don't want to feel that way. What's the opposite of that? The opposite of how you don't want to feel might be leading you towards what I call your core desired feeling. You've probably got about four or five of them, but just for the sake of this exercise, just choose two, two things that you, your preferred states of being, it's how you want to feel most of the time. And what's one thought that affirms that feeling that, you know, Let's say I want to feel connected. Then the, the, the supportive thought, the declaration thought is I'm a great friend. I attract healthy relationships. Um, life holds me. So you get your two feelings. Think of two encouraging thoughts for each of those. And, and what are a handful of things you're going to do, actually do for yourself to feel that way. And that is self-agency. That's creating your life Ooh. from your heart. Ooh. Folks, you heard the homework assignment from Daniel Laporte, uh, creator of Desire Mapping. 
White Hot Truth, throwing it down today. Trust you've been inspired. Uh, Danielle, thank you for coming on. Uh, what's the best way people can, can find out about your work? Is, is, what's the best website people can reach out to connect with you and find out what you have going on? It's my name, DanielleLaporte.com, and same on Instagram, same on Pinterest. I'm there. Awesome. Yeah. And thank you for this great conversation and for going deep fast. Love it. Thank you. Thank been, you. So grateful. It's been beautiful. Folks, I uh, told you this was going to be special. Uh, definitely download, subscribe. Uh, sh- make sure you share it with your friends and on social media. I think everyone will be deeply inspired. Send me an email, Coop Blackson at coopblackson.com. I would love to hear your key takeaways from today's conversation with Daniel Laporte. Also, uh, would love to know how the homework assignment that she assigned uh, unfolds. Until then, sending you all lots of love and blessings. Love now. Big hugs, everyone. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.coopblackson.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.